hello and welcome to the Portland General Baptist Church Youth Podcast. I'm your host, Rory Anderson, and I am the Youth Director at Portland General Baptist Church in Portland, Tennessee. Uh, This is episode number something. It's number four or five. I've already lost count. Um, I'm not very good with keeping track of of all that kind of stuff. Um, You may have noticed that uh, it's been a while since we had a youth lesson posted. Um, I've had some... uh, big setbacks over the last couple of weeks personally, and so uh, I want to apologize for taking so long to get the next episode out. But we've been in a study of the Book of Ruth uh, for some time. We actually started it before the coronavirus locked down, uh, but uh, we've decided to start over uh, with chapter 1, verse 1, and uh, at least for the podcast. And so today's lesson is going to be the end of chapter 1. And it seems like we're going a little bit slow, uh, but I, uh, I promise there's a reason we're going through uh, these different sections. I, I want you to have a good, uh, thorough understanding of everything that's going on. It's a short book. It's only four chapters, uh, but there is a lot that's happening in this book. And it is uh, it would be very wise of us to, to pause and kind of examine some of the pa- smaller passage- passages that are that are in this book. So uh, today is going to be chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. And I typically read out of the New King James Version of the Bible. So here we go. Ruth, chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, and it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth, Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. If you will recall very quickly, uh, earlier on in chapter 1, if this is the first episode you're listening to, I'll give you a quick review. Uh, Basically, the first five verses of chapter 1 is uh, telling us about Elimelech, uh, who is the husband of Naomi, who you just heard about. And Elimelech and Naomi, they had two sons, Malan and Kilian, and they lived in Bethlehem, Judah. And they were in the promised land, and turns out there was a famine, and so Elimelech took his family out of uh, the promised land, out of Bethlehem, and took them to a country called Moab because there was food there. Moab is a very vile, wicked nation, a great enemy of Israel, and uh, and so there's kind of a uh, there's a tension there where Elimelech has taken his family from the promised land into the complete opposite of the promised land. And uh, while they're there, Elimelech dies, leaving Naomi as a widow. Malan and Killian then get married to uh, uh, a couple of Moabitess women. And of course, 
if you know anything about Jewish heritage, uh, especially at this part of the Bible in the Old Testament, uh, there was no intermingling. Um, it was not racism, uh, but they were to uh, stay married uh, within their own people, the Jews. And then, of course, after that, Malan and Killian die, and uh, that leaves Naomi, and then the two Moabitess women. Uh, they are Ruth and Orpah. And so, after some time, Naomi is working out in the fields, and she hears that food has returned to the land of Bethlehem, and Naomi decides she's going to beat feet out of Moab and uh, make it back to Bethlehem. Well, Orpah and Ruth decide to tack along with her, and Naomi pleads with them, no, just go back home, just go back to where you came from, leave me be, I'm going home, you should do the same. And Orpah says, alright, I'm out of here. But Ruth decides she's going to pledge her loyalty to Naomi. And uh, we see uh, there in the middle of chapter 1, she says, Entreat me not to leave you or turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you stay, I will stay. Ruth has determined uh, to stay with Naomi. And uh, where we last left off uh, in, in the last lesson, uh, when Naomi saw that Ruth was not going to uh, turn away, she decided to stop talking to her. She stopped talking uh, the whole way. And so now, that's where we are. Naomi and Ruth, uh, this this little uh, uh, tag team uh, here, is making their way back to Bethlehem, the promised land. And so there are, um, there's basically three points that I, I want to I get to today. And uh, the first one is their return to Bethlehem. Uh this is uh it doesn't seem like it's that important uh but it's going to help us understand exactly what's happening here and it's going to give us an even fuller picture of the uh intensity and the effect that Naomi and Ruth have on Bethlehem when they return so the first thing I want to talk about right now is Naomi and Ruth going to Bethlehem when they arrived there. If you'll notice in verse 19, it says, uh, Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem, and it happened that when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, Is this Naomi? Now what's happening here is Naomi is returning home. This is where she came from. But Ruth, this is new for her. This is the beginning of Ruth actually being... Um, grafted in from being a Gentile, being grafted into God's people, the Jews. Now, if you recall um, from the very first lesson, Naomi's name means pleasant. Uh, lots of different people, uh, their names mean different things. Um, uh, for example, uh, my name, Rory, R-O-R-Y, actually means um, king or or red king i don't know why <laughs> but uh that's what it means um and then like my last name anderson is uh is actually a uh, a combination of a couple of words uh it used to be son of ander so basically um i would be rory son of ander so that would indicate that my father's first name is ander um Obviously, that's not how it is now, um, but uh, that that's where my last name came from. Well, everybody's name usually has some sort of meaning, and Naomi's name means pleasant. So Naomi returns home to the promised land, Naomi meaning pleasant, 
And uh, what is really interesting, it says, and it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. I want to point out that word excited. I, I thought this was a little strange um, because of the, because of the uh, conversation that's going on here. Um, you would think that if somebody had gone off for 10 years to another to a foreign country and uh, they came back and uh, they, they didn't have their husband, they didn't have their children, they just had like some weird Gentile woman with them, you would think that excited would probably not be the word you'd think of. And it turns out, if you actually look at the original word in the Hebrew for excited, um, the Hebrew word is whom. Uh, today in English, uh, we, use, we use the word excited usually indicating it uh, as an indication that this is a good thing, that we're happy, um, we are uh, joy. Uh, overjoyed with what's happening, uh, but in the original Hebrew, that whom actually has a different meaning. Uh, it, it actually means stirred or agitated greatly or discomfit. It, it means to make someone feel uneasy or embarrassed. And so when Naomi and Ruth come into Bethlehem, the town is not excited like Oh, they're happy to see Naomi and this random foreign woman. That's not all. That's not at all what's happening here. They're not excited in that sense. They're excited in the sense that they are agitated. This is not a good thing. There is an upset that is happening, uh, and, and and that word discomfit is probably the more the more accurate word. They they are making them feel very uneasy. And embarrassed, uh, the, the the city, the townsfolk are making them feel very uneasy, and Naomi and Ruth are very embarrassed. This is there's gossip. People are chatting back and forth. They're trying to figure out. Wait a second, Naomi Naomi left with her husband and children, and now she doesn't have them at all. And instead of her family, she's brought a Moabitess in into our midst. This is not a good thing. They're very very upset and so the whole town was stirred it causes uneasiness and embarrassment for Ruth and Naomi the reason why I want to point this out is if you don't pay attention to the words of scripture um, and their meanings you actually lose a more full understanding of scripture um, you you don't always have to go into each and every single word that you're reading. You know, um, go. You don't have to go back and look at the Hebrew word for now. Uh, the two of them went until they came. You don't have to look up those individual words. The the basic understanding, the basic principle and idea of the passage is still there. But if you look up some of the original Hebrew words and you look up the the original meanings for those words. You'll see, you'll actually get a deeper picture, a deeper understanding of what is really happening. So yeah, the word excited is a good word to use. It's not wrong. Uh, but because we use the word excited to typically mean happy, good, uh, jovial type things, we kind of lose some understanding there. So it's it's important for us to kind of pick some of these words out, look at the original meanings, and, and, and look at what this word really means. Uh, excited can still mean um, upset. 
or stirred. Uh, like I said, excited is not a bad word. It's just that typically when we use that word today, we don't mean it in a negative sense. We usually mean it in a positive sense. So that's just one example of why it's important for us to actually study, um, look up some of these words. Uh, you know, pick if everybody has, uh, well, for the most part, access to the internet. Um, you've usually got a, a phone in your pocket now. Uh, get out your phone and look up, you know, the Hebrew word for this or the Hebrew word for that. Uh, you'd be surprised at uh, at what you can learn in, in the original text. Uh, but anyway, so the point is, the town is upset. There is uneasiness. There is embarrassment that is happening. Naomi and Ruth are not excited to be home. And the town is not excited for them to be home. They're, they're, they're sort of at odds here. And, and so what happens here at the end of uh, verse 19 is the women said, Is this Naomi? Is that, is that Naomi, the one that left with her husband? Is that pleasant? In verse 20, Naomi res- Naomi's response is, She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. And this is the second point I want to get to. The first point being their return. The second point is, don't call her Naomi. She is not pleasant. She is anything but pleasant. She is the furthest thing from pleasant. In fact, she says, call me Mara, because God has dealt bitterly with me. She essentially blames this all on God, and to an extent, you know, since God is sovereign, <laughs> uh, since he is in complete control of his creation, um, God has dealt bitterly with her. At least that's her perspective, right? Um, whenever whenever you are in a tough situation, it always feels like God is just kind of just pressing his thumb down on you and seeing how much pressure you can take. Why is he doing this to me? Why do I have to suffer this? Why do I have to go through that? That's Naomi's perspective. And I know that everybody uh, that's ever been in any of my classes has experienced some sort of situation like that. Why is this happening? Why has God done this to me? Why Why have I had to experience this? We're, we're, we're going to get to the answer, or at least one of the answers to that question, uh, in this study, uh, but uh, keep in mind here, the point is, don't call her Naomi. She was pleasant. Now she's bitter. In fact, she says, she says, the Lord God, uh, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? She's saying, I had it made when I left, and now I've got nothing. That's Naomi's perspective. God has dealt bitterly with me. Don't even call me by my name. Just call me the complete opposite. Call me bitter. Call me Mara. Now, there's somebody else that's actually standing there, and and we don't typically think about this, but put yourself in Ruth's shoes. We've got Naomi's perspective. She left full and has returned empty. God's dealt bitterly with her. But but Ruth, what did Ruth just do prior to this passage? She pledged her complete and utter loyalty to Naomi. And Naomi just said, I'm completely empty. I've got nothing. God has dealt bitterly with me. 
And Ruth's perspective is, I'm the way that God has dealt with Naomi bitterly. <laughs> I, I, am the, I am the reason why Naomi is bitter. I am the reason why Naomi is empty. I gave her everything. I came back with her to, to Bethlehem. And she's still saying this. This has got to be fairly devastating to Ruth. Uh, I mean, on top of Ruth already losing her husband, one of Naomi's sons, uh, you know, you don't you don't have to be you don't have to be a Christian to understand that losing a loved one is hard. And Ruth has experienced that kind of loss. She also lost Orpah, which I'm sure spending 10 years with these people, you'd get really close to them. Orpah's gone back home, so she's lost her husband and her her friend or her sister-in-law. And, and now her mother-in-law is basically saying she doesn't exist. And that the reason why Naomi is so um, so bitter is because of Ruth. Sometimes uh, we need to we need to be careful about what we say when other people are around. We don't realize maybe how we come across to other people. Uh, but uh, uh, Naomi says Naomi says uh, don't don't call me that. Call me call me Mara. Uh, the Almighty has afflicted me. And in verse twenty two, Naomi returns, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter in law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. I want to very quickly point this out. If if you actually pay attention in the book of Ruth, um, where the author points out who Ruth is, okay. Sometimes sometimes the author just refers to her as Ruth. Sometimes she he he refers to Ruth as uh, Naomi's daughter in law. Uh, but many times the author of Ruth refers to Ruth as Ruth the Moab the Moabitess. And there's there's a there's a reason for that. If you pay attention to where the author labels her as a Moabitess, nine times out of ten, there's not so great things going on. The author here is writing this to emphasize, hey, she's not just another person. She's from Moab. Keep that in mind. He's trying to drive home the point. You've got to remember where this woman is from. And the kind of things that she has seen and dealt with and most likely participated in. She is from a vile country, this Moabitess. And so in, in, in uh, verse 22 there, Naomi returned. Very simple description, right? Uh, but the author takes his time and says, And Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her. That's kind of that's kind of firing a shot at Naomi. So already he's fired a shot at Ruth saying, "Look, she's a Moabitess. What do you expect?" But then he takes a shot at Naomi and says, "Ruth is Naomi's daughter-in-law." Driving home that connection there as if Naomi just cannot get rid of Moab. She thought she could go home and leave all of the past behind. You ever, did you ever want to do that? Something just, something terrible has happened to you, and you just want to forget it, and you want it to go away, and never think about it ever again, and never, you never want it to cross your mind again, and just when you think you're over it, it comes back. That's Naomi. Naomi wanted to leave Moab, leave all that behind. Never think about it again and return 
to to the normalcy that she had before. And just when she thought she could escape, Ruth is like, hey, I'm going to go with you. Ugh. That's got to be a blow to the to the self-esteem. Naomi thought she'd escaped, but apparently not. And Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. Again, the author takes another jab at Ruth, saying, if you didn't catch that she was a Moabitess, oh yeah, she's from the country of Moab. It's, it, sounds, it sounds like it's a waste of ink. It sounds like it's a waste of words. But really what's happening here is they're driving home the point of who this person is. She's a Gentile. She does not belong with God's chosen people. But you will see something happen here in this book that is, that is going to it will gradually change. You'll, you'll see a gradual uh, uh, transformation here throughout the book of Ruth um, where we go from labeling her as a Gentile, labeling her as a Moabitess, uh, from the country of Moab um, to something else. So the author here is trying to drive home the point she's a Gentile, she does not belong, she's an outsider, she's a foreigner, she's, uh, some would, would essentially call her a disease, she does not belong here. Now the third point is about the barley harvest. So recall, the first point is they've returned now to Bethlehem. The second is don't call Naomi Naomi. Call her Mara. She's bitter. The third point here is the barley harvest. That very last, that very last sentence of chapter 1. Now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Now if, if you've been listening to the other lessons so far, you've noticed that this is, uh, this is not a very happy happy book so far. Things are just not good. Um, the very first five verses are very dark. So many people die. There's famine. There's loss. There's tragedy. There's, uh, some would even argue depression. Um, this is just not a good opening to, (laughs) to a book of the Bible. It's, it's not, it's not that happy. And then, and then even the big chunk of, of chapter one there, six, uh, through 18 in the last lesson was not that great. Although Ruth did say some really nice things to Naomi, Naomi didn't want any of it. She just shut up when she realized that Ruth wasn't going to leave her. When when she realized Ruth was just going to follow along, Naomi just stopped talking. None of this is good. None of this is good. Uh, Elimelech's dead. Malin and Killian are dead. Now there's an outsider in the camp. What are we going to do? Everything seems like it is just falling apart. And before I before I get into this barley harvest, which will be very short, I, I want you to I want you to think about a time where everything has fallen apart. You have tried to escape. You want out. You've thought of every possible option, or so you think, to escape your pain, escape your sorrow. Maybe it could even be a sin you committed. And you just you just don't want to think about it anymore. 
You just it just it, but it but it bears down on you. It weighs down on you. you. There's a stark cloud that hangs over your head. There's a weight on your shoulders you can't seem to describe or or lift up or just or just get rid of. And you just keep. It seems like things just keep getting worse, and there is no there's no hope. It feels like everything is falling apart, and there is no hope. The barley harvest is the light at the end of the tunnel. And if you are in your life right now experiencing this grief, you don't even have to have lost a loved one. Nobody has to have even died. Um, But whether you're experiencing some sort of grief or sorrow, um, uh, guilt, uh, uh, humility from your sin, whatever it may be, and it feels like there's no way out and it feels like there's no hope, this last sentence, the barley harvest is your hope. And you're going to see over the next three chapters why. So if you'll recall at the very beginning of chapter 1, the reason why Elimelech took his family out of Bethlehem is because there was no food. There was a famine. People were starving. Uh, I would imagine that some people probably got very ill or even died because there was no food. In chapter 1... The very last sentence turns all of this on its head because this is the very first glimmer of hope that we really see in, in, in this book. And that is the beginning of the barley harvest. When Naomi and Ruth returned from Moab, or I guess when Naomi returned from Moab and Ruth just tagged along with her. The reason why they were going back to Bethlehem is because Naomi heard that food had returned to the land. And it just so happens... That when Naomi and Ruth arrive at Bethlehem, it's the beginning of the barley harvest. So they don't even have to wait. When they get there, guess what? It's time to eat. So there's some hope here. Naomi is back home. Yeah, things are upset. Yeah, things are crazy. But at least there's food. At least they can live. At least they can survive. And you'll see, like I said, over the next three chapters chapters 2, 3, and 4, that this beginning of the barley harvest is the very first glimmer of hope that we have in Ruth where things are going to start looking up. So if you're somebody today that's listening to this and you feel like there is no hope, whether you're saved or not, you feel like there's no hope. This is just, life sucks and it's falling apart. And you know what? Other people, they're blessed. Other people, they, they come out on top, but not me. This is just how my life is. Let me tell you something. It might be. (laughs) It might be. You might suffer for a while. You might be in pain for a while. But there is actually hope for you. There's hope for everybody that's listening. And if you're saved, you already know who that hope is. You already know what that hope is. If you're not saved, keep listening. Because what we're going to see is we're going to see Christ played out his role in the redemption story is played out through the entire story of the book of Ruth so today ends uh, chapter 1 we're going to continue next week with the very beginning of chapter 2 if you have uh, hopefully you do have a bible of some sort there's always free bibles on the internet uh, or on your phone you can download um, if if uh, 
I'm sure that uh, if you did not have one and you wanted a paper copy, uh, someone would be willing to buy one for you. Um, just ask. Uh, you'd be surprised at what people would do. Uh, but uh, I, I want to encourage you to read along with us as we're as we're going through Ruth. Um, it's going to be very beneficial for you to see the words on the page as they're read. And uh, I want you to I want you to read this outside of listening to me because I tend to ramble. If you need to pause and reread or something, by all means, go for it. Um, but I do want you reading. It's going to be very beneficial for you. It's so good to see the words, to read the words aloud, to read them in your head, to 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 ingest the Word of God, to to internalize what is happening here. Because it's one thing to just read the story of Ruth and kind of understand how things played out, but it's another thing to internalize the principles of what you're reading, to, to understand and see and hear uh, the deeper meaning behind the words that you're reading. So I want to encourage you to continue reading, uh, and I hope that you're reading outside of this anyway. Uh, don't just read the book of Ruth and wait for the next lesson, and don't read anything in between. Read a psalm a day. Read a proverb a day. Um, read a couple of chapters a day. If you, uh, I know this sounds like a lot, but uh, t- I, I just read, uh, basically, if you read about an hour a day, um, it will take you about 75 or 76 hours at, at an average speed, average reading speed, to completely finish the Bible. Now, I might be a little bit on the uh, longer side of that, uh, maybe closer to 80 hours or so, but uh, read an hour a day, and you'll have the entire Bible done in a little over two months, like two and a half months. Some people some people are like, oh, I gotta, I'm going to read the Bible in a year. That's That's great. But that's like 15 minutes a day or so. Read it for an hour a day. It's coronavirus time, y'all. It's lockdown. Nothing else is going on. <laughs> Read your Bibles. Read for an hour. You could split it up. 15 minutes in the morning, 15 at lunch, 15 in the afternoon, 15 before you go to sleep. Read an hour a day. You'll be done in 75 days or so. Read out loud if it helps you. Um, I, I know that for me, uh, reading out loud... Uh, at least at a low volume, helps me tremendously. I can actually read faster and understand it better because I'm speaking the words. Um, But uh, whatever you got to do to help yourself out, do it. Um, There's tons of audio Bibles for free. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, uh, there's there's several audio uh, Bibles that are included. Uh, You can download them, uh, listen to them whenever you need to. Whatever's going to help. Internalize it. Know it. Learn it. And uh, until next time, be safe and may God bless you.